Welcome to Homeschool Your Way, the upbeat, open-minded podcast that informs and affirms your choices about your kids' education. We'll provide a buffet of ideas to inspire you to homeschool your way, because your way is the best way. All of the content on the Homeschool Your Way podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical or legal advice. The views expressed by the hosts or guests of the show are not necessarily endorsed by Bookshark. Welcome to Homeschool Your Way. My name is Janet Cook, the Community Manager of Bookshark. I'm your guest host, filling in for Didi and Jimena, who've taken a short break to work on Season 2 of Homeschool Your Way. You're in for a real treat today. I'm joined by Ken Hively, the creator of My Math Assistant. He is a homeschool dad of six and will share how he has made math more enjoyable for his family. Are you ready to share your self-care? We recently had a cold snap in Colorado. It can get cold here, but the sun usually comes out, and even if the temperature doesn't rise, the warmth from the sun can be felt through the windows and even while you drive around town in your car. This particular cold snap hid the sun for a few days. So in order to self-care, I decided to watch some historical movies that I had rented from the library, but hadn't gotten to yet. You know the ones you just keep renewing so you don't get charged the late fees? Oh wait, maybe that's just me. Anyway, I took a very cold Saturday and worked my way through the Civil War watching Harriet. I loved how this movie focused on her strength of character. I moved on to the First World War, watching 1917. This one wasn't exactly what I expected, but I enjoyed it along with my 15-year-old daughter. We finished off our day with Midway, the story of one of the most important and decisive battles of World War II. It was a great time traveling through history. What are you doing for self-care? To share, go to bookshark.com slash podcast. My talk with Ken about raising your hand for help with math is from a discussion done in February for a Bookshark-sponsored virtual event. Let's begin. Hi, Ken, and welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Ken, let's start with um, just your background. How long have you been homeschooling your children? Uh, Yeah, about 12 years. My wife and I have six kids, ages from 17 down to two. So we have the kind of the full range of ages that we're doing. Uh, homeschool with, and I've been teaching math since the beginning. So about 12 years, I've been uh, teaching math to my kids. And um, so we're just enjoying it, trying to have fun with the different age, ages that we have. And um, certainly we have the challenges of all those ages, but also um, the joy of getting to see them all interacting with each other. And um, as far as my background, really, I, I have a software development uh, background um, but I've also then created mymathassistant.com, which you mentioned. It's a website that's a companion tool for Saxon Math. Um, so I've been using Saxon Math for probably five or six years um, at this point, and we've had a lot of success with it. Wonderful. So have you found that different ages require um, different approaches with math? Um, yeah, certainly the younger ages are going to require a lot more hands-on. Most of the curriculum that you find for especially kindergarten through second or third grade is going to require a lot of um, hands-on with the parents. Or um, one of the things that we've, I've tried to start doing is having my older kids teach the younger ones. Um, so that helps free up some of my time, but also kind of builds a relationship there and helps reinforce what the older ones learned and, and um is a good experience, I think, for them. Not that it's super easy. There's there's some coaching involved, you know, for both of them to make that work well. But 
Um, that's one thing that's really helped kind of with all the different age ranges that we have to teach right now is kind of helping them learn how to help each other, I guess. So really you're utilizing peer tutoring in your home. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah, some delegation um, on our part, but I think it's a good learning experience for both of them. So, Absolutely. It definitely would fall under that idea of collaboration that so many people, when they think about homeschool, they think those are some of the things their children aren't going to get. But you're living proof that you can incorporate that into your homeschool day um, with the children that you have. So, and for the older kids, really, they can learn to be independent with their math for the most part. Um, so that's, that's been one of my goals, teach them how to learn, teach them how to solve their own problems before they even come to me. So um, just been working on that for, for years, um, especially as they get into like fourth grade and up, I would say they can start becoming pretty independent with their math. So. Good. So um, speaking of problem solving, if there is a parent who's watching us today and they just feel like their math program is not working well, um, how would you know if Saxon would work instead? And is it worth trying? Um, I think Saxon math is definitely worth trying. It's a, it's a great curriculum and it's been around for literally generations at this point. Um, in fact, the, the man who wrote it, John Saxon, passed away in 1996 and there are still many, many homeschool families finding success with Saxon math. So when I think about math, I think about a subject that really uh, is not going to change, especially at the elementary to high school level. So using a book that's older is not going to be a problem in that sense. Maybe like a science book uh, would be if we've learned more things about creation in the last 20, 30, 40 years. Um, So the fact that it's been time tested um, is a major selling point for Saxon math. Um, it's it's been used it's been around for a while in fact my wife was was actually reading a book i think it was last week she read me part of this book on thomas jefferson's education model some of you may have read it and the author of that book was mentioning the classics and he mentioned saxon math in the book and so it was just another another thing where i'm like yeah this has been around and it's been tried and true you know so um for me saxon math uh the, the way that it was designed by John Saxon was, you know, if you're going to learn any, any, anything, whether it's a, a skill or a subject, the way you learn that is through repetition over, over time. And so the way that Saxon math was really set up was you're going to review these concepts, not just for a little bit of time to pass a test. You're going to review them throughout the entire book. So even the tests themselves, which you take about every four or five lessons are actually comprehensive Uh, cumulative in nature. So you're going to be constantly tested over all of the material uh, in the book. So with Saxon Math, what you're going to see is about 25 to 30 questions, uh, review questions on each lesson. Um, Those are going to be reviewing all the things you've learned so far in the book. Um, And what you'll see is is you'll you'll learn a new concept and you'll review it for five or 10 lessons, maybe one or two questions per lesson. Uh, and then that'll start to taper off a little, taper off a little bit, but uh, ultimately those questions will pop up again and you'll be reviewing them throughout the rest of the book. So very systematic setup in how you learn the concepts and how you review them. And, and uh, the goal again is just mastery of math over a long period of time, uh, which is the way we, we go about learning just about anything. So I definitely recommend Saxon math when it comes to switching curriculums. Um, Having homeschooled for like 12 years now, I, I think that sometimes we as parents, we are a little bit too quick to maybe blame the curriculum. So if you're thinking, you know, maybe my math curriculum is not working well, I would, 
I would stop by uh, stop and ask some questions about, you know, why is it not working well? Um, it could be that you're just not using it the way it was intended to be used. Uh, it could be that you don't understand it well enough. It could be character issues with your child. Maybe they're getting distracted and maybe they don't know how to really persevere through a difficult uh, problem that they run across. Uh, it could be, uh, you know, self-discipline or organization um, issues for you as the parent. So, I would always say be slow to switch curriculums. Obviously, there are definitely times when it's time to switch, and it could be that your math curriculum just doesn't make sense to you as the parent, um, and that would be a good time to really look into, okay, how are these other curriculums set up, and do they make sense to me as a parent so that I can then kind of work with my children to to get through them. So. I think you bring up an excellent point. I know that in our household, when there's a lot of struggle and pushback about doing math, I check the time of the day. And I think, wow, once again, we've left it to the last subject because we pushed it off because it's the thing we didn't want to do. And now yeah. we have no energy or concentration left to get this done without, without the struggle. And so you, that's a great point. Like sometimes it's just changing up, you know, how it's being done or what time it's being done and looking at um, all or all the possibilities instead of just trying to blame one of the elements in that situation. Yeah, I've, I've definitely seen the time of day thing happen. Yeah, when their brains are already a little bit fried, mm -hmm. especially if they're a kid who has some emotions about math already, um, it's going to be really hard to do it. So it's it might be a good idea to switch that up. Yeah. As a homeschool dad, um, do you feel comfortable when, and I'll preface this, I hear complaints about certain math programs, Saxon in particular, that repetition, my kids are just bored. There isn't enough, you know, they're, they're repeating the same thing over and over. Um, yeah. And so in my household, they may be repeating that, but nobody is getting a hundred percent all of the time. So that right. shows me that there needs to be repetition because we're yeah. just not grasping. It's not so much they're getting the right answer is the concept right? You're not getting the right concept. So what do you feel that parents can do to be creative? Do you, are you the type of household that says, hey, this week, if you're doing an odd lesson, just do the odd number of mixed practice? Or is it the, the curriculum says do all 30, we need to do all 30? Uh, I think that part of homeschooling is always going to be flexibility. Like, that's one of the beauties of it is you can, you know, you can adjust a curriculum for a particular kid. So certainly when I started using Saxon math, I immediately went to, you know, Hey, we're going to go just do the odds and evens, you know, that kind of thing. Um, partly because that's what I'd heard other people say that they do. Um, that was before, again, I really understood how Saxon math was designed to work. And so I've actually over the last few years been trying to transition back into Let's do all the problems. We don't do all the problems necessarily. And especially if a kid is one of those brains that picks up math really well, it's possible they really don't need that much review. But if your child has any struggles with math at all, that review is there for a reason. And it's just like learning anything. If you, if you want to learn how to practice dribbling a basketball, you don't practice a bunch for one week and then never practice again. Like there are rhythms that you learn to practice that every day if you're trying to get better at something. Um, it's like learning the piano. There's little things that piano players do every time they warm up to practice those basic skills. So um, I think that that practice is really, really important. It's how they really master the concepts. Ultimately, what I've seen is that that makes them faster at their math, more accurate, and they actually start to like math more or at least hate it less. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, 
a fine line between liking math more or hating it less. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> depending on the type of brain. Um, well, what are your tips for homeschooling parents who are uh, managing um, the math portion of their child's curriculum? They're they're instructing, they're walking through it, they're doing the correcting of the problems and, and do you set a certain time where you only do once the timer goes off after 30 minutes, we're done with math, no matter where we're at with it, or is it, you know, just kind of speak to your experiences with that portion of managing math. Sure. Um, for us, uh, we of course use my which is the website I created. And uh, that has really changed, you know, how we, how we've done math in our house, but typically I have them do a math lesson every day if we can. Um, basically, what we do is we try to get through through a book every year. We're not trying to go at an accelerated pace or anything like that. And part of that's because even from the beginning, as a working homeschool parents, like I just couldn't get through enough math to do it in eight or nine months to do an, to do a whole book. So from the beginning, it's always been a year round subject for us. Our kids know when homeschool co op ends, they're still doing math through the summer or you know winter break or whatever. So. Um, we do take breaks for like vacations, but they, they do math year round. So it gives us a little bit less math to do every week. And there's not that long break during the summer where they forget things. Again, going back to the practice thing. If you take three months off learning anything, you're going to take some steps backwards. So um, as far as managing the daily thing, typically what my, what my kids do is they do a math lesson on paper. They grade it with mymathsystem.com. And then they come in for a few minutes to my office and there's two or three problems we have to go over and we're done. And so it's, it's been, uh, that has completely changed compared to how we used to do math, which I can talk about here in a minute. But um, I have, uh, I have one kid who I went ahead and bumped up a little a level and I'm having him go slower. So I'll have him do like half a half of a lesson every day, but I'm also having him do all the review problems. Um, so that's a good pace for him at this point. Um, again, I kind of adjust it based on where I want the kid to be at some point in the future, or at least where we're hoping to get to by a certain age, by a certain grade level. That's going to be different for every kid probably, but that's kind of how I go about managing that. How do you encourage parents to teach their children math or address a certain issue, let's say math phobia? So you have, we're, we're talking to an audience um, primarily of people who have found themselves during this time at home, either virtually homeschooling or homeschooling with a, um, a private curriculum. And they have found, A, there's gaps in their, their child's learning, and, and they're a little phobic about trying to go in, where do I start? How do I begin this? And then as they're sitting down with their children, they're starting to find that their children start getting anxiety about even the thought of doing math. So what are some tips that will help parents kind of take a deep breath, look at their child and um, start even afresh with this semester? Yeah, I, I would say start by... Um start by asking questions. So if you're sitting down with your child and they're struggling with a specific math concept, have them talk out what they're, what they're trying to do. Okay. Have them talk it out, use as many words as possible, and then ask them as many questions as you can. And what you'll start to find out is, okay, they actually are missing this concept that they should have learned previously before they even get to the one they're trying to work on. And that starts to reveal to you some of those gaps. So then you can go back in the curriculum that you're in, or if you can't find it there, maybe you just switch to a new curriculum or something, then, you know, Khan Academy or any other 
online resources where you can fill those kind of gaps. But that would be the first thing is to to try to figure out, okay, what are those what are those weaknesses? Um, what I've seen with math, I think you know every math curriculum to some degree is set up like this. There are there are concepts you have to learn before you get to the one that you're on, and if your child is weak at those, then they're not going to be able to really learn or understand the one that they're the, the concept they're currently trying to learn in whatever lesson they're in. So, um, you know, I always really try to go back to the basic math facts, addition, subtraction, multiplication. There, are, you know, Saxon Math provides a lot of different math facts, reducing fractions and unit, you know. Uh, conversions and things like that. Um, don't be afraid to go back to some of those basic basic things because if they don't have those down, math is going to be hard. Uh, it's going to take a lot longer. They're going to get problems wrong. It's going to create a lot of that math phobia that we hear about or that we experience with our own kids. And I've, I've experienced some of that um, as well. So, I mean, with my kids at least. So, um, I always, I always say like facts practice is, is a base. I mean, most of the younger ages are going to emphasize the facts, but even when you get into elementary, junior high, um, your kids should still be practicing those things. So, I mean, if you, if you think of an example, like if your child is struggling with um, three digit multiplication, okay. 194 times 359 or something, the, the numbers in the ones digits are the four and the nine. That's where you're going to start four times nine. Okay. That's the very first step. If they're still like counting on their fingers by nines or singing a song about the nines, those are great ways to start learning those things. But if they can't say four times nine is 36 right away, that problem is going to take forever. They're probably going to get it wrong. They're going to be frustrated when they have to go back and redo it. Those are some things I've seen that create that kind of math phobia and a lot of the emotions that have to do with math. So if you can slow down and get back to some of the root issues, some of the the base problems that they're not understanding, that can go a long way towards kind of overcoming some of that math phobia. I've also seen that with some kids, it seems backwards because they're frustrated with math, but you actually might have to do more math to get them over the hump. It's again, it's like practicing any skill. Like uh, if they're not good at this skill, it might take more practice for them to get to where now they're comfortable. Now they're confident. Again, now we hate math, math a little bit less. <laughs> so those are some things. Um, don't take the long breaks during the summer is my recommendation, even though obviously homeschool families, you know, your, your schedule is flexible and that's one of the benefits of homeschooling. Um, I don't like taking the long breaks. Um, don't be afraid to slow down though. Um, I, I have a, a story of one of my kids who does struggle, doesn't have that math brain, I guess. He does struggle with math. And especially when he was younger, there were a couple times where I remember uh, we would go over something that he knew the day before and all of a sudden he just can't recall it at all. And I'm thinking, okay, he's, at first I thought it was like a character issue or like rebellion or like he's, you know, not trying hard enough or something, you know, and I was getting frustrated. He was, he was emotional. Um, turns out I just wasn't a very good math teacher also, but <laughs> so I, I decided, okay, we're going to just take a week off of this, you know, concept. And we did some math games and we, you know, that were kind of related, but we weren't working on that thing. And we come back the next week when the emotions are gone mm. and his mind is clear and all of a sudden, he realizes he knows that thing that we haven't touched in a week. So I found definitely on a multiple occasions, like with the older kids, it might be a five minute break, go walk around the yard a couple of times or something, or let's come back to this tomorrow, but it could be even like, let's come back to this next week 
in the meantime, we'll just work on some basic math facts or, or play some math games or something. So don't be afraid to slow down a little bit. You don't have to, you know, keep up with, with that family that's got the eight-year-old doing pre-calculus. We all know that family and that's great for them. Um, you don't have to keep up with somebody else's pace. Like go at the pace that your child needs to go at to really master what they're trying to learn. So I'm still trying to figure out calculus, <laughs> just, just what it is, not even how to do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> just exactly what calculus is. How to um, describe it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, um, as a homeschool mom, I, and as a homeschool parent, our first reaction is to blame our child. Right. Yeah. I, and I don't, and I think math for some reason is one of those subjects that it gets magnified. <laughs> like you said, like, you're just not, you know what this is. Why aren't you doing it? You did it yesterday. Yeah. Why can't you do it today? We are trying to make our kids fit into these molds, right? And we're not yeah. letting them, we're not understanding that they are individuals and that we do need to take a breath. Time to hear from our sponsor. You chose to homeschool so you can have the family life you imagine full of good books, interesting discussions, laughter, and inside jokes. You want a flexible lifestyle that lets you sleep to a reasonable hour, sneak in some me time, and still have energy to get the kids to their clubs, rehearsals, and co-ops. Bookshark's four-day literature-rich curriculum allows for this lifestyle while giving your kids a top-notch education so they can accomplish their dreams. Use it as scheduled in the 36-week instructor's guide or do your own thing and skip around enjoying the books and hands-on science activities whenever and however you like. If you are a parent always on the hunt for a rich variety of learning resources for your voracious learner, Bookshark is a curriculum to know about. Head to bookshark.com to browse curriculum, download samples, or request a catalog. Now, let's get back to the show. What are you reading? I picked up Mindset, The New Psychology of Success by Carol S. Dweck. If you're a faithful listener to Homeschool Your Way, this title may sound familiar. Didi and Jimena talked about mindsets in episode 33, Instilling a Growth Mindset in Your Homeschool. If you didn't get a chance to hear it, definitely check it out. Carol Dweck speaks to the importance of understanding the difference between a fixed mindset, innate ability, versus a growth mindset, limitless potential. What I love about this book thus far is while we can identify our fixed mindsets, we don't have to stay there. I have a lot more reading to do, but I am ready for some growth. Tell me what you're reading by commenting at bookshark.com slash podcast. Ken has a few more tips to share with us about homeschooling math. So let's continue. I recall not even getting through my entire math curriculum as a child in public school. I don't think we ever okay. finished a book from start hmm. to the end. And yeah. so I think it's important to give parents permission that um, math is a subject that is netted and layered that even though you do need to have understand concepts, there are things that they're going to keep coming back. If you're doing your math properly and you're reviewing, you're going to keep, and it's going to all come together, right? I think parents yeah. are so afraid that their children are going to fall behind. I think that's the biggest thing that I've heard so far in speaking with parents over this last school year. I don't want my kid to fall behind. And so yeah. just giving ourselves permission then gives our children permission 
to be in an environment where they can learn and not have to meet a stringent schedule because that's what we do. Um, have yeah. you seen that in your family that if you, if you kind of take yourself outside of the box that children tend to flourish? Yeah, I think some of the schedules that are given to us are just our best attempt to say, Hey, at this level, you should generally be doing this math, you know, but they're guidelines. And so keep that in mind. like your kid might need to be a year behind that or a year ahead of that. And that's, that's totally fine. They're going to still grow up and be an adult and <laughs> they're still, they're, they're going to be fine with that. Um, there might be some times where your kids wants to study a certain thing in college. Maybe they do need to get to a certain math level, obviously, and you can set the goals for that and try to hit that with your, with your students. They're probably motivated at that point to reach those goals though, if that's what they're wanting to do. So, um, but yeah, I have kids that are, I have some of my kids who are a little bit ahead, some are a little bit behind and, and that's okay. You know, ultimately we're going to try to finish, you know, through uh, a high school math, math degree when they, when they graduate and get them ready for whatever they're going to do after that. Um, but I don't think we necessarily have to be so rigid about trying to keep up again with that other family we know, or even just what somebody's telling us, like they have to know this by this age or else we have those hidden fears as homeschool parents, like our child is just going to be a totally dysfunctional adult if they don't do X, yeah. Y, and Z, you know? Um, so. Absolutely. Well, I will say that one of the issues I struggle with as a homeschool parent is grading my child's math. I understand yeah. the importance of it because I can see where the mistakes are being made and how yeah. we can correct and maybe, like you said, look at those remedial issues. But you have created a product that takes a little bit of pressure off of parents that are, if you are using Saxon Math. So would you like to go ahead and just talk about mymathassistant.com? Sure. Yeah. So kind of how I used to do math with my, at the time I only had two, two children using Saxon Math, but about four or five years ago, we, were, we would sit down at the table once a week with all the the stacks of, you know, answer keys and books and paper, loose leaf papers everywhere. Like you've, you've imagined this, you've done it, you've experienced mm -hmm. it. So I would grade their papers. I would hand their papers back to them. They would correct the ones I got wrong, hand it back to me. I'd grade them again. And at that point we finally knew, okay, these are the, these are the questions we need to go over together. I can see what you're getting wrong. Um, so we're going to, but at this point, our emotions are, are in the gutter. Uh, first of all, we've been sitting at the table for hours Every time I mark something wrong in any of their, on any of their papers, they take it as a personal insult from dad, <laughs> right? So there, there's this downward spiral of emotions the whole time. And they're, because I would typically only get to that once a week, or even sometimes I would miss a week, they'd be getting the same questions wrong on every lesson for four or five, eight lessons, you know? So that created even more rework, more frustration. And so... Uh, at some point, I just realized, okay, there's got to be something I can do differently here. <laughs> I got to change something. So I did some research and started thinking about it. And I'm I'm a software developer by trade. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to build something, kind of scratch my own itch. Um, so my math assistant allows them to grade their own work. So our new routine looks like this. They do their they do their work on paper. They grade they grade their lessons and tests with my math assistant, which gives them that immediate feedback to know if they're getting something right or not. I kind of think of it like if you were, um, I enjoy playing basketball. If you were going to learn how to shoot a basketball, but you could never tell if the basketball was actually going in the basket, you would have no idea if you're shooting correctly, if you're aiming correctly, like that's kind of what they were doing with their math. They were doing the work and having no idea if they were getting the things right or wrong. And so that immediate feedback they get from grading their own papers 
um, is really valuable for them. And I think it's better than just handing them the answer key because I think that shortcuts some of the learning process of them mm-hmm. reworking a problem and figuring out what they did wrong. So that was kind of my goal um, to build something where they could grade their own papers. And so now what we do is they come in to my office for a few minutes, um, typically every day, maybe every other day, since we're all working virtually right now <laughs> anyway. And uh, there's only a couple problems that they that they need me to go over with them. They already have graded their papers, so they know exactly which problems those are. It literally takes like five minutes most days. And there's no emotions. There is just um, us getting to do kind of the fun part of, of learning and teaching and and that little connection point with dad and, and all that. So the, the, the last little, little sales pitch part of that is that about six months ago, I added the facts practice to my math assistants. Okay. That was something I always struggled to get into my kids' routines. It's just another thing you got to print out and grade and check and manage. And so now when they sign in to grade their papers, there's just some math facts practice there for them based on, you know, the, the, the facts practice that comes with Saxon math and I can customize which facts practice they're, they're doing and how many questions and all that kind of stuff. So that I've finally been able to really add that to my kids' routines and I've seen some improvements from that as well. So that's, that's what the website's about. Certainly love for you guys to check it out. All right, Ken. So we are here to really help parents in this um, tackling of this challenging subject of math. So what are some of the other tips that you have that would be helpful to us as parents? Um, yeah, I've got um, a couple things that come to mind. Um, if you're not strong at math, like, and this goes with any subject, but obviously one thing you can do as a homeschool family is find a tutor. Um, sometimes that can be a good option if you know a good tutor or if you can afford it. Sometimes uh, it just isn't going to work out for your family for whatever reason. So one thing that I've tried to do and, and even suggest is to become a lead learner in your family. Um, specifically in math, especially if you're not very good at math, it's such a great opportunity for you to learn math along with your oldest child. And that might mean a little more work for you. It might mean sitting down with them and reading the lesson and actually having your own piece of paper and a pencil um, to work out some of the problems on each lesson. I would say you probably don't have to do all 30 review problems yourself, but if you can at least work some of those problems on the lesson, maybe look through the review problems and see hey, there's a couple here that I'm not sure how to do. Go back and work those ones. Maybe that, that allows you to learn the math to then, of course, be prepared to teach it to your younger kids as well. But I think there's something even more important that can be uh, gained from, from doing that. And I think, I think I first heard the word lead learner from classical conversations, possibly. Um, but I like the idea that we as parents are uh, teaching our children that learning is not just for kids. I'm not just like making you do this because I'm torturing you or something like learning is a beautiful part of our life. It's part of being human. It's something that we should be doing for the rest of our life. And so you being able to sit down and say, Hey, I'm not good at math or I don't understand this, but I'm going to learn it with you. And sometimes you'll actually encounter those situations that we kind of dream of as parents a little bit in terms of being able to teach our children some of the character that we really want them to know. So Imagine you're, you're with your kid and you come across this math lesson that you, you and your child just cannot, cannot understand and you're both getting frustrated. Okay, maybe we take a five-minute break, but you as a parent there have the opportunity, okay, are we just going to give up or are we going to teach them how to persevere through something that's hard and, okay, how do we learn things? Well, we can't get it from the book for some reason this time. So we're going to call a friend who's good at math or we're going to Google it or, you know, there are other ways to kind of 
learn something uh, if you're getting stuck. So I think that's, that's a really um, kind of a tough suggestion. It's hard. It's hard to sit down and do that extra work with your, your kid. But I think there are a lot of benefits to doing that, not even just being able to teach your younger kids as they come up. So that's something I would definitely recommend. Um, I mentioned having your older kids teach your younger kids earlier. Um, specifically with Saxon math, a couple of suggestions I have. Um, there's a book by Art Reed. I've got it here. I'll kind of hold it up. And he actually just goes through Saxon math, the history, how it was designed. He actually goes through every single book from fourth grade to 12th grade. Um, I definitely recommend it if you want to understand the curriculum better. Why are there so many review problems? Why was it designed that way? And I think you'll have a better understanding before you start changing it up. That's what I did. I think a mistake I made early on was I started changing up things like, okay, we're only doing half the review problems, those kind of things before really understanding like, oh, there's a reason why these review problems are here. And there's a very systematic way in which he, he set the review problems in place, you know, at certain intervals and things like that. So um, I think that's a really helpful book. Um, I think the last thing, as far as Saxon math goes specifically, there are solutions manuals, especially when you get up into uh, algebra one, algebra two, advanced math. I would definitely recommend finding the solutions manuals. I'll warn you, they're a little bit more expensive, um, but they actually show you more than just what the answer key shows you. They actually show you how to get to the answer. And so my oldest son, as we're working through advanced math, there are a lot of times where we're both getting the problem wrong. Okay, what are we doing? We pull out the solutions manual. Oh yeah, we forgot that step or we did that step wrong. So that's something else I would definitely recommend if you're using Saxon math, look at those, especially if you're getting into the math levels that are maybe above uh, your understanding, so. Well, great, thank you. That is a very important point to remember that um, as parents, not just with math, but homeschooling in general, we have to be willing to learn as well because yeah. these are things that we haven't done in decades, possibly. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> And there's no um, shame in doing some review or saying, I don't, I don't know that. I think it's important to show our children that we do have weaknesses and that we can always be improving on those. Yeah, I think that's important. And I, I I'm guilty of, of this uh, in other subjects besides math, but I think one thing we do uh, sometimes to harm our children is actually we say things like, I'm not a math person or math and me aren't friends or whatever, however you want to say that. I think we're guilty of saying that. And I think when our kids hear that, they think, oh, I'm having trouble with math. So I'm not a math person. Therefore, I don't really need to worry about math. I don't need to try very hard because if I tried really hard, I still wouldn't get it. I'm not a math person. So I think we do a disservice to our kids when we kind of have those kind of attitudes towards math or any subjects for that matter. Um, they're just going to learn that, oh, well, I I'm just not ever going to get this. They're going to, it's going to discourage them from really pushing through. Truthfully, anybody can learn just about anything. Maybe you're not going to be an NBA player someday because you're not seven foot tall, but you could learn basketball, you know, or whatever. So I think anybody can learn math to some degree and it's, it's just going to take the work, you know, it takes work to learn the thing. So um, I'd be really careful if you're experiencing, you know, some of that, I guess, math phobia that we talked about earlier, that would be one thing I would suggest. Look at your own attitude towards math and see how that's portrayed out to your children. So good. I have, I mean, I have one last story I can share uh, with one of my kids. I do have a kid who has gone through the math phobia and I kind of mentioned that a little bit earlier, but just, I think it was just last week he was in my office. We were going over a few math problems 
And I just looked at him and I was like, buddy, I'm really, I'm really proud of you, you know, for how far you've come in math because he used to struggle a lot. And I've seen that after several years of doing Saxon of, of all the review, he's complained a little bit about the facts practice that I added recently, you know, six months ago. Well, I bet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but all of a sudden he's my one kid out of my oldest four who is actually finishing his math on time. Every day he comes in, he's got it done. There's only a few problems to go over. He's getting more problems right. There are no more emotions. In fact, uh, at the end of 2020, there was, you know, I had, I had a goal for each kid. I want you to get through this lesson. He was the only one that got there. Everyone else was about a week behind. I mean, so uh, I've just kind of seen, you know, I've seen that work as far as taking a kid who had the math phobia. We, we slowed down a little bit when we needed to. We put in the extra work. And now he's, I, I don't think he loves math, but he's doing it and there are no more tears. So I've kind of seen at least one example of that kind of success with Saxon math in particular, and, and just making sure we're putting in the work to learn the thing that we're trying to learn. So I hope that's encouraging to somebody. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank you. Um, I want to thank you for taking your time and coming on and encouraging parents who are possibly struggling with math, giving them ideas in order to, um, just empower their children to be able to do a subject that uh, let's be honest, a lot of us struggle with. So thank you for your time. Thank you for um, putting the effort into mymathassistant.com. I am just newly using it and it has brought me so much joy (laughs) to think about (laughs) my daughter doing her math and me not having to um, be, I think you hit such a key point being emotional when you're taking the emotion out of it. And I think that is so yeah. true for just human beings in general. And um, we mm-hmm. were created with all of these feelings. And when you start mixing them into very logical situations, they can become illogical very quickly. So, yes. Um, yeah. So thank you for your efforts to, and, and thank you for sharing what you've created with the rest of us who we're still stuck in the mire of um, trying to grade <laughs> all of those math lessons week after week. I can feel it. I can feel the mire. <laughs> yes. So thank you so much. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, make sure to check out Ken's website, mymathassistant.com. Thank you for listening today. I look forward to the next episode of Homeschool Your Way. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Homeschool Your Way, a podcast by Bookshark. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening now so you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you have questions you'd like the hosts to answer or have any feedback about the podcast, please visit bookshark.com podcast to leave your comments. Or you can simply email podcast at bookshark.com.